Podcast Network Asia. You've said that the spiritual word here is really a war of doctrine, right? Uh, that's the major key, and right? that's the biggest difference. So, in the time of the first coming, when Jesus was fighting, how did he fight? Right? If you look at like Matthew chapter ten, verse thirty-four, he says, mm. "I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I came wow. to bring division between family, even. And what it, what was the sword? You know, you look at like His Ephesians word. Amen." So it's a bigger war now, even instructor Aaron, because we have 45,000 denominations. We have to be in a situation where there is mixed teaching, where there is enough mixed teaching now for people to kind of like disagree and and war really with the different doctrines that they have. And don't you think like the time is ripe for something like that now? Exactly, it has to be that way. It has to be all mixed together. Everything has to be where there is no absolute truth. So that when the truth actually comes, it can expose all of that. Ooh, okay. I think we are hitting episode number 166. Oh gosh, I hope I got that wow. right. Because, you know, yeah, sometimes, you know, I, I kind of get like off track a little bit. Thank you so much, D. I, I can't Dee believe I lasted this long. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. 166 episodes. Oh, we have many more to go, Tina. Congratulations. Um, but yes. That's Tina Ryan. We also have instructor Erwin Russo. He is Bible instructor at Shinshinji Church of Jesus. Big Daddy Jake is back with us today. You can listen to him on 104.3 Capital FM 2. He is on the midday show, Monday to Thursday. And on 6 a.m. every Friday morning, he does the morning show over there. Thank you very much. Listen to him after you listen to this podcast. Of course. Priorities, people. I miss going on air with Big D. So it's been a while. (laughs) Tina and... D, you guys have been on the radio on the radio for something like 30 years, right? Uh, yeah. Tina was my mentor back in the day. <laughs> oh, shots fired. Shots fired. Um, I, I don't mean to hurt her, but that's the truth. <laughs> no, I was his tour guide instructor, Aaron. Remember, Big D was from, he wasn't from Manila. He was uh, from oh, Davao. Davao. I'm from Davao. So, so I was yeah. like... She'd I was take like me everywhere. Ha- yeah. Oh, you know, how Introduced me to uh, we'd watch Everybody. shows together, eat out. And stuff. She was so, my mentor. Yeah. So okay, he is not joking. Yeah, ambassador of fun. There you go. <laughs> so how how young were you when you started? I mean, because I just feel like you must have started very young. And my question really is like, how does one fall into radio at such a young age? Me? Yeah. Oh gosh, I started. I started in 1991, I think. My, a friend of mine in, in Davao, a friend of mine owned a radio station. I just mm. hung out there. And a couple of friends of mine, I'm not sure if you know, uh, you might know some of them, Sunny B and then oh, Nigel. Of course, Nigel. They, they, they worked for that radio station. They decided, you know what? You're here every day. I skipped school. <laughs> You're here every day. I might as well just bored. Wow, and, and the I started... standards were very low back in the day, guys. Like, hey, he's here every day. You get in front of the oh, microphone. Right? He didn't even audition like I did. No, no. Wow. no, no. So yeah, okay. I, I, I started out Sundays and eventually they gave me weekday shows. And around 1996, uh, Koyang, uh, Bernie Bonaceda said, fly up. Wow. Instructor Aaron, were you ever into like big into radio? Oh, we would sit there with the tape in the in the tape deck waiting <laughs> for the song again. to come on the so tape. we could record. And, <laughs> yeah. and actually, actually, when we were even younger, my mom used to set up a microphone 
before they had recording systems, because that was only for like the really expensive, you know, uh, stereo systems that had a recording system. Otherwise, we'd set up a, a microphone to the speaker and then she would <gasps> kick us out of the house when her songs came on. Because like, there would be certain shows that would come on that would play like I mentioned before that she was really into like the Sugar Hill Gang and things like that, you know, and whenever they could, you know, she would oh, kick us yeah. out of the house and like no one could say a word so that she could record it. Oh, my God. No, yeah, we used to. I mean, that's all we had was. Um, you know, mostly radio and radio was the thing. That was it. Yeah. That's what we had, you know, it was the yeah. best. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's still around, but I think definitely like the experience has changed a little bit. And what's the, um, what's, the, yeah. what's the guys, the, the one that made the song? Um, I don't know that someone's going to kill me for not knowing it, but um, uh, video killed the radio star. Video star. <laughs> Buggles, I think. Buggles, B-U-G-G-L-E-S. Okay. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, see? That's why I got radio. All right. <laughs> But that one right there, that I think it's so true. It's so funny when like MTV came out and you had to be, you know, a certain type and looking. The same that was one of the most played videos, yeah. right? Video music. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, before videos, anybody can sing as long as you have great voice, you can sing. That's you know? it. But when uh, videos came out, all you had to do was look good. Yep. Sure. I'm so sorry, but I just needed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. It's going right. back the other way a little bit now, so it's okay. I know. <laughs> That's the old me speaking bitter me. I shut up. Okay. All right. All right. So, in the last episode, the you know we heard a little bit about your your faith journey, and we talked a little about a little bit about the second coming, and you know our attitudes towards um, this this thing that all Christians really are waiting for, and. Yeah. You know, we have a church now on this podcast called Shinshindi Church of Jesus, and they have a testimony that they are sharing with pretty much everyone who is willing to listen. And um, we have been breaking down these parables that are in the Bible, especially books of prophecy. I think, Instructor Aaron, that would be accurate, right? Yeah, books of prophecy. Um, and then you can just say also parables and figurative language would help mm -hmm. because like you were saying, this one, it's not so much like just a parable, but using certain words figuratively. Okay. And there are quite a bit of parables, really. We're now at the tail end of them. I think we have about four more to go. Today, we're talking about the war between Jerusalem and Babylon. And Instructor Aaron, I know that, well, obviously the word Jerusalem comes up quite a bit in the Bible, hmm. seeing as how like, you know, I think it's related to the chosen people. Like sometimes they're called Jerusalem. Um, Babylon was like a Gentile nation. Right. And the reason why we are talking about this is because in the book of Revelation, you actually see those words mentioned again. Yes. Um, please correct me if I'm wrong, but we see the words Holy City, New Jerusalem in yep. the book of Revelation, and then also Babylon, but it's mentioned as like, you know, it has fallen. And so I'm assuming there's a meaning to that, which is not literal. And it's important for us to know because we need to know how all of this stuff is going to go down and what does that mean for us? Yeah, no, it's great. And to kind of give a little preface on words in general and how they can be used, figurative language, what God uses is basically anything in his creation he can use. So he can use the things of the heavens. Uh, and one of the next ones we're going to do is on heaven and earth, sun, moon, and stars, which is really cool. He can use all the things of the earth. So he can use trees, rocks, animals, people, uh, events, historical events, and geographical locations. And that's more of what we're talking about now, like geographical locations. 
most of the other parables that we've been looking at, he's been using like rocks or trees, right? Mountains, things like that. And in this one, he's using geographical locations to describe something spiritual that's going to be taking place in the time of revelation. So you have to go by that same logic where God shows us physical things. These physical things actually exist, right? Because that's what the Bible always does. There are physical things that it talks about, but there are also spiritual. And if all you can see is the physical, then you're missing a huge part of it, right? That's what they call the spiritually blind or deaf, because even though you're looking at the, the spiritual significance of it, you don't see it or you don't understand it, right? So that understanding using figurative terms and uh, a good verse that you can look at would be like Revelation 11, verse eight, where it talks about how there is uh, the death of the two witnesses. Okay, so these two witnesses, they die and their bodies, it says their bodies will lie outside on the street of the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom, Egypt, and also where our Lord was crucified. So this great city, right, this big giant great city is figuratively called, and that's what we mean. He's using the term Sodom, he's using the term Egypt, and he's using basically Jerusalem because Jerusalem is where the Lord was crucified, right outside of Jerusalem you know, on the hill of Golgotha, right? Yeah. So if this city, this great city is figuratively like Sodom, Egypt, and Jerusalem, you have to ask, okay, well, <laughs> how is it like that? What does it mean to be figuratively like these things? And it shows you that God can use physical locations, geographical locations in a figurative way. So knowing that, then you can kind of move on and, and see, ah, okay, these things can be used like that. Got it. And she's always like, guys, I have a legit question. <laughs> My impression of Tina Ryan. Guys, instead I have a legit the, question. Instead of the unlegit, right? The yeah. other... <laughs> we need to make no, but... that distinction. Okay. Okay, like really now though. Um back in the day, like oh, oh, the first no old testament instructor, Aaron. Where was Babylon? Where? I mean, geographically, it really existed, right? Oh, yeah. It's you can if you look at a map of where Jerusalem is now, it's it was right outside of, you know, on the so Assyria was when it when it broke up. Okay, when when Jerusalem or God's 12 tribes, I should say, broke up. And that was during the time of uh, King Solomon, right after his reign because of the betrayal. The northern region was the 11 tribes and they're called um, Israel. They basically were called Israel. They had the capital city of Sumeria. And they were taken over by Assyria. They were oh, taken over uh-oh. by Assyria. And then just outside of that, that's, you know, in a the, in the little bit Southern, but above the last tribe was Babylon and the last tribe, you know, kind of over, over away on the map. And then Babylon, I'm sorry, um, Judah was the only tribe that was left over, right? Judah and the capital city of Jerusalem. And so Ooh. that became synonymous with God's chosen people was Judah and Jerusalem. And then Babylon took over judah and jerusalem and it took it over for a period of 70 years right mm-hmm. and god promised that it would happen so in jeremiah 25 he promises that they're going to be taken over by babylon and then in, it's really kind of interesting though in daniel chapter 9 daniel's like okay we've been captive for this long period of time you know the 70 years you know it's going on like or we know we have to be in there for 70 years are you gonna you know what's gonna be happening basically saying that we have to be there for 70 years. 
And then in Zechariah, in Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah says, okay, it's been 70 years, right? Zechariah chapter one, verse 12. He says, okay, it's been like 70 years. Are you going to let us free now? You know? Oh, because they knew about the prophecy that this was going to be 70 years. Okay. okay. Exactly. Which is actually really important for the second coming because in Matthew 24, it says, Jesus says, if God had not cut short those days, then no one would have survived in the flesh or no one would have, you know, literally survived. The elect would not have been able to survive. What does it mean that he cut those, those days short, the days of captivity. And this has everything to do with the war that we're talking about because they're taken captive. Once again, Babylon takes God's people captive in revelation, but instead of a period of 70 years, it's a period of three and a half years, 42 months, a time times and half a time. And the reason is because God wants people to be physically alive, to be living witnesses. Uh But if you imagine if we were under captivity for 70 years, unless you're a a child, unless you're just a very young child, you're probably not going to survive after the 70 years. That's that whole, just like we talked about the last one, the 40 years, that's a whole generation that passed away, right? Yeah. 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 So that, that's a lot of what it is. So yes, Babylon physically existed. It physically battled against Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. It physically took them over and ransacked the temple and took like everything destroyed the temple completely. And that's why it's being used in revelation to describe a type of destruction on God's people. But God allowed Babylon to, to invade Jerusalem, right? It says right there, I think first verse of Daniel, right? He allowed it to happen. Yeah. And the reason was because of betrayal, just like we were talking about in the last episode, there's that logic betrayal, as a result of betrayal, destruction comes upon them. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a result of the destruction, salvation is being offered to those that repent and right. those that come back to God. Because unfortunately, and after 70 just, yeah. Right. The thing he said, after 70 years, if you like yep. look, search for me or look for me with all your heart, you will find me. Something like that, right? Amen. And, and so they did. It's just, unfortunately, the I, I think we've talked about this too, but when people get too comfortable... God already promised that this would happen in Deuteronomy 31 and 32, right before they go into the promised land, there's the, uh, the song of Moses and the song of Moses is it's really teaching is what it is. And God was teaching them all the things that he did for them. So it reminds them of, you know, coming from slavery, being set free. I'm giving you this promised land, but it also says that they're going to grow fat and kick. They're going to betray God. He already promised. He says, when you go into this land, you're going to do exactly what I tell you not to do. He says, um, don't intermarry with them. You know? They did. <laughs> yeah, because I, I just feel like if God already told you that, that you guys are going to do this, you would you think, would right? think <laughs> you would think that yeah. maybe we shouldn't do that, but they end up doing it anyway. Yeah, because it's not that generation that does it. This is the key. It's always the future generations that leave God's word and then they forget even what God, that's why he says, do this as a lasting ordinance. Teach this generation to generation. Like in the book of Joel, he's like, teach this to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation because that's what happens. People forget. Forget. Yeah, and they get comfortable. And as they get comfortable, then they forget about God. And they start worshiping the false gods. And that's the key. Because you got to remember, Satan's there, right? Satan's there. And that's the, it's not that, it's not that they're doing it on their own. It's that they, 
they forsake God, they leave God because they start lusting after other gods, which is exactly what, you know, he tells them not to do. Yeah. You know, the very first commandment, right? The, <laughs> the big yeah. one, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. unfortunately, that's what happens. So as a result of their betrayal, first he warns them. It's not like he just destroys them out of nowhere, just like we were talking about Noah. He warns them. That's why he sent the prophets. I'm warning you. I'm warning you. I'm warning you. You know, and even during the time of the kings, you know, King Solomon, he warned him over and over again. But, you know, he's but... many. Yeah. Yeah. So having heard what the historical background is for the actual Jerusalem and Babylon back in the day, and then when we see that again now in the book of Revelation, which is a book of prophecy for the second coming, then are we to understand that whatever happened in the past, it's going to happen again in basically the same way? In a spiritual way, but the same pattern, betrayal, destruction, salvation. Right. So the way that Revelation was written, uh, Apostle John saw this vision on the island of Patmos 2000 years ago, right? He was chosen by Jesus to be able to see the events of the second coming. So he gave him what's called a vision revelation. He showed him all the things in a vision. And when he saw it, he just wrote down what he saw, just like Big D was talking about uh, the book of Daniel. Mm, Yeah. He's writing it all down. And then at the end and Daniel 12, he's like, what's the outcome of all this going to be? He's like, Go your way, Daniel. It's not for you, right? It's for the time of the end. You just do what I tell you to do. That's pretty much it. Mm. (laughs) It's the same thing for Apostle John. It wasn't meant for him to understand. And it wasn't meant for the people of that day and age to understand because it's events of the second coming. So they are prophecies for the second coming, but people have tried to understand them in their own way, which is why you have all these commentaries and mixed teachings. But the only truth is going to be when the actual fulfillment comes. So when people say, well, this was this and this was that, unless God is the one that said, this is this and this is that, then it's their own interpretation. But when the fulfillment comes, then God and Jesus and the angels are going to be showing that fulfillment. That's what Revelation says. It's very detailed. It's very detailed. Then the angel showed me. Then I saw. Then I heard. And then he has to testify, right? He's been given that open scroll. He eats it. He has to testify. All of these things are, they have to be physically fulfilled at some point. Apostle John saw it in a vision. So like a dream. So if you eat in a dream, when you wake up, you're still, you're still hungry, right? Because it didn't literally happen, right? If you write a letter in a dream, you can't expect anybody to respond to you. But it has to physically happen because they're a prophecy and prophecies, they need to be fulfilled. So someone has to be there. And as a result of these things happening, that same logic, betrayal, Destruction, salvation happens in the time of revelation. So the key is who betrays and how. But is God going to give a warning again? He did. That's what Revelation 2 and 3 were all about. Revelation 2 and 3 are letters that are written to the seven that are in the midst of betrayal, telling them exactly what they're doing as a betrayal and telling them to repent. That's why they're called the letters of repentance. Not that the person writing the letter is repenting, but the person's saying, Ooh, if you repent, it says, yeah, it says, remember what you, what you did at first, right? Remember you have forsaken your first love. You've fallen from. Yes, exactly. Remember the height from which you have fallen from. So that's telling them, hey, you've betrayed. And if you overcome, if you repent and overcome, then these are the blessings that I will give you. But they, they do not listen to the letters. They actually, they 
not only burn the letters, rip them up and destroy them, but then they try to <gasps> kill the messenger. Oh gosh. Yeah, they literally tried to kill him. And as a result of that, that's why destruction comes. So D, the way Shishiji understands the book of Revelation is that they are actually connected events. Mm-hmm. Like the like like it's a story basically. They are a chain of events that take place and the understanding of the fulfillment of these events is given to somebody. And of course Shinchenji's claim would be that it's Chairman Lee Man Hee who is I was going to say I don't think you call him like your founder or right that's not quite no, how no. you it, say Jesus it. No, Jesus is it's the Church of Jesus so Jesus is the founder, you know, obviously the head, the church, all that. Um, we call him as uh, the chairman, mm-hmm. just because that's just the position that he's in, yeah. or the the promised, you know, some people say promised pastor or promised shepherd, because uh-huh. he's just the one that's leading God's people at this time on behalf of. Um, he's called the one who overcomes, or iginja, right, which means you know, <laughs> in Korean. Wow. Koreans, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Or oh, de- deonja, meaning the one who's speaking on behalf of. Uh, wow. Okay. Right? Yeah. So there's all these different terms, or even they even call him New John. New John as just a title to differentiate between Apostle John 2,000 years ago and the person that comes in the position of Apostle John to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. So as I was saying, Apostle John saw the vision, and so he just wrote it, Revelation, you know, two, three, four. Really, okay, maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but Revelation chapter one, verses one through eight, is a summary of the entire 22 chapters. If you read it, it goes through and it's it's all the events in the first eight verses. Actually, you can find all throughout the rest of the 22 chapters. So Revelation actually begins, Revelation chapter one, verse nine, when it says, I, John, was on the island of Patmos. And then he says, I was in the spirit. And then he hears the voice of Jesus. He's chosen. And then Jesus tells him to write these letters. <clears throat> so that's the beginning of Revelation. And then it goes on from there. So he just wrote it, chapter one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's what he wrote. But when it's fulfilled, it's not fulfilled chapter one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's fulfilled in the order of betrayal, destruction, salvation. salvation. So sometimes that, certain chapters. Oh, no, no, it's okay. Every, if you ever have a question, please jump in. Um, so some chapters are about the betrayal, and then it'll talk about destruction and salvation, and then it'll go back to betrayal again, and then destruction, and then salvation. So it's not going to be fulfilled one, two, three, four, five. It's an order of the chapters. Okay. It's part of the mystery. Wow. And that's why when the person that actually sees it, they can testify to the, all the events and put them all in that specific order. And this is not uncommon. (laughs) If you look at the old Testament in Isaiah chapter one, it's the same thing. Sorry, Tina, what were you going to say? No, I was just, cause it's kind of like, it doesn't make sense to be able to explain it the way it was written. It's not going to make sense logically if no one received it, right, Instructor Aaron? If no one, do you guys um, get where I'm coming from? It's not going to make not sense. Really. To, oh, <laughs> no, go ahead. Yeah, no, 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 no go, go. What do you mean? Go yeah, like um, I I get how um, Instructor Aaron's explaining now. Chairman Lee received it, and that's why SCJ is able to explain it the way they do in a logical sense. Because if we were to read Revelation from 1 to 8, it's just not going to make sense because it hasn't, it hasn't happened. Because it's a prophecy. Yeah? Well, well I people think... People can just make it mean what they want it to mean. 
Exactly. And I think that's why there are so many ways that this is being interpreted, interpreted. and being taught. Um, I don't know how many people actually say that this is the testimony. You know, I don't know. I don't know many who say that, it's, if it, at all. Commentary is what they would call that instead. Like okay. Yeah, yeah, commentary. Okay. There's a lot. There's a lot. It's not um, uncommon for God to actually work in this way, writing the summary first. If you look at in the Old Testament, Isaiah <sighs> chapter 1 all the way to Isaiah 2 verse 4 is the summary of all 66 uh, chapters uh. of Isaiah. It talks about the betrayal that takes place first. I reared children, but they have betrayed against me right? They've rebelled against me. Then it talks about all the destruction that he's bringing upon them, right? They're left like a, a vineyard in a hut, you know, that's been destroyed. And then he says at the end, if you cleanse yourself, if you repent, I will make you clean and white as snow. Salvation. Betrayal, destruction. There's that pattern again. Jeremiah one, the same thing. Daniel chapter one, same thing. So it's, it makes perfect sense that revelation would be the same. So I guess for people who are living at this time where there is a testimony, right? And the title of today's topic is the war between ba Jerusalem and Babylon. Then I guess that's a little concerning for me anyway, instructor Aaron, like, why is there a war? Mm -hmm. And what happens? And there's the war? a war now, you know, like there's <laughs> a physical war, right? But I mean, I'm, I'm assuming this is like a spiritual thing, right? Yeah. You, it's yeah because of that, because of it being a mystery, uh, the way that Jesus says the, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, you know, things like that, because, because it's a mystery and because it's been sealed, just like we talked about God's word being sealed, people can only understand it in their own way. So the book of Isaiah is a very good example. Isaiah chapter 29 talks about that the entire vision of Isaiah is like words sealed in a scroll. And when someone reads it, they say, you know, well, I can't read it or I can't understand it. So their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men is what it says. And it's funny, Big D, you, you mentioned about lip service in the last one. This is actually where it, you know, comes from. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. We say a lot of things sometimes in the world, but we forget they actually come from the Bible in a lot of ways. Wow. You know? wow. That's actually 2,700 years old from, from today. That saying, wow. they honor me with their lips, you know? So as a result of the book being sealed, they cannot teach it uh, openly. They don't know what it means. So when you read the book of Isaiah, it's a great example as to at the time of the first coming, how they had no clue what those things meant until Jesus says, I am this, I am this. Yeah. And then they could look at it with open eyes. Then they could look back at the prophecy through the fulfillment of Jesus and see what it meant. Same thing with, you know, revelation, revelation. So, yeah. In Matthew 24, Jesus says, uh, they, they show him, they take him outside, right? You can look at like, you know, again, Matthew 24, or I think it's, um, I think it's Luke 21 as well. But when he, they show him all the really beautiful buildings, they're like, wow, aren't these really beautiful? And Jesus says, not one stone is going to be left upon another. Right. And then he just mm -hmm. kind of walks away and he doesn't go any further, which hang on one second. He probably did like a mic drop. <laughs> mic drop, yeah. Yeah, there's going to be then, nothing left, mic drop. <laughs> he's just like, that's it, right? And the disciples are like, what? What did he Peace. just say, you know? And then they come back to him later when they're, when they're secluded. They come back and they go, okay, when you said that, what did you mean, right? Like, when is this going to happen? So they ask him when, 
And then what are the signs of the second coming and of the end of the age? Right? So they equate the second coming to the end of the age and they ask when. But Jesus tells them no one knows when. That's one of the mm -hmm. most important parts. So we're not saying that we know when these things are going to happen. It's just you can see the signs happening and then you know, right? Mm -hmm. So he says, well, no one knows, right? It's later on in Matthew. He says, uh, you know, um, the angels don't know, the Son of Man doesn't know, only God knows, right? Only God knows. But then he says the very first sign that he says, he says, watch out that no one deceives you. So there'll be a lot of deception at the time of the second coming. There's going to be a lot of, you know, false this, false that, uh, false Christ, all these things. So that's why we understand why people would be uh, wary, right? And be very, you know, cautious. We're meant to be. So you're, what you're meant to do is to listen to the testimony and then verify it. That's the key. You can't just dismiss it because, oh, well, Jesus said there's going to be, you know, deception. Yes, he did. But he also never said that the truth was never going to come. Right? right. So we have to be diligent. And that's why the scripture. Discerning. Yeah. So we have something to verify with. That's why God gave us promises and prophecies. Because if the testimony doesn't fit with the prophecies, then I'm not going to believe it. Right. And that's why Revelation 22, 18 and 19 is so important that you don't add or take anything away. When people add their own thoughts to it and then the fulfillment comes, then people don't want to believe it because it doesn't fit what they thought before. Right. So thinking about this war, or if you take things away, you say, well, you don't even need to know it, right? Then that's even worse. But so this war, for example, right after he says, you know, let no one deceive you, he said, there's going to be signs. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars, right? There'll be famines and earthquakes, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. So that's why everyone's like, ah, okay, we're waiting for a war. World War, World War. Oh my gosh, I cannot see World War Three. Okay, <laughs> World War Three. <laughs> I watched that video that you sent me of that person trying to. What was the word? <laughs> In the beginning. Beginning. Oh my! Oh my! I was I was laughing. I was, I was laughing. So, <laughs> so that's why people. But they always think about the physical war. But this is the key that when Jesus spoke, he spoke very spiritually. And he says he's using figurative language. And even the, the temple that he's talking about wasn't the temple that he was pointing at. So, and we know this because in, you know, like um, John chapter two, John chapter two, verse 19 to 21, Jesus is standing by the temple and he says, destroy this temple and I will raise it in three days. Three days. And all the people there, did they, did they think of it as anything other than the physical temple he's looking at? No. no. Yeah. They're like, was what crazy. are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, this took us 46 years to build and you're going to do what? You're going you're gonna to build it in three days? You're, you're crazy, man. See, this Email is why you don't this okay? Everybody, listen to this guy. Don't believe this guy. He's crazy, you know, right? And then they said they didn't understand it until after he died and resurrected. Then they knew that he was talking about his body. So think about that. He's standing right there and he says, destroy this temple. He doesn't make it clear he's talking about his body. And then in Matthew 24, he says, you see this temple, it's not one stone will be left upon another. And yet people automatically assume it's the actual physical temple that was ransacked in 70 AD. But that doesn't make any sense logically. One, because again, he speaks figuratively. But two, in Matthew 24, Verse 14, he says that this gospel has to be preached to the ends of the earth, the earth. and then the and end the will end. come. Mm. And by 70 AD, the gospel had not been preached almost anywhere outside of Jerusalem and, you know, that surround that small surrounding area. 
Yes, they started going out, but barely by that point. So it had not reached the whole world. Uh, going beyond that now, the war. So if he's talking about a spiritual temple, he's also talking about spiritual earthquakes, spiritual famine, and spiritual wars. Wow. So that's what we're saying, that the people look at things as the world. So in John chapter 3 or in 1 John chapter 4, it talks about how you know, people speak from the world and then Jesus speaks from above. It says the one that's from above comes from above and speaks as one from above. But the woes that are from below, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. So the way that people understand the war, it's only by the thoughts of the world, a physical war. But according to the Bible, it's very, very clear. We're talking about a spiritual war because the Bible describes it in that way. Wow. Context is very important. Very. Yes. Yes. So I think you've mentioned in a past episode that really the spiritual war that is mentioned in in books like Revelation or Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24 is called mini revelation. They're both you know, parts of the Bible that talk about the second coming. And you've said that the spiritual war here is really a war of doctrine. Right. Right. Uh, that's the major key. And right? that's the biggest difference. Yeah. So right. when you think about, okay, Old Testament, right? We'll just run through the whole thing, you know, Old Testament, Jerusalem and Babylon, very physical. Physical battle for physical land, physical people dying in physical ways with weapons with literal weapons right so you have jerusalem and babylon and jerusalem is synonymous with god's people babylon is synonymous with the gentiles so we're talking about god's people and the gentiles fighting against each other and because god's people betray then god is no longer protecting them that's the only thing that keeps them safe they're smaller than any other you know nation they're tiny compared to everything else but if you look at how when they went into the land of Canaan, there was those seven tribes that were greater than them. And they were able to defeat them because God was backing them. God was with. Yeah. But when he says, I'm going to remove my hedge of protection. If you don't have God's oh. protection, then that's it. Mm. Right. In Deuteronomy 28, it talks about <clears throat> the blessings and the curses. The first 14 verses are all about the, the blessings that you'll receive if you obey me fully, it says. Right. If you obey me, if you keep my covenant and my commands, then you will receive everything, all these blessings, including winning all the wars. It says your enemy will come at you in, in one direction and they will flee in seven. Right. But the rest of the verses from 15 all the way to 68, it's all about the curses. I know it's crazy because we're dumb. We don't listen. So he has to tell us over and over again. Right. And, and it says in those verses, it says, if you disobey, if you break my commands, then your enemy will come at you from one direction, but you will flee in seven. So the one that keeps the commands, the one that wins, wins everything. The one that loses, loses everything. And that's why it's so important. So now carry that over to the time of the first coming. Jesus himself was from what tribe? Do you guys remember? Judah. Yes. Right? Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. Yeah. yeah. Which means who was he fighting against right at the time of the first coming? Was he fighting against physical Gentiles like the Romans or the Assyrians or Egyptians? No, he wasn't right. He never once fought against anyone except the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law. That's who he battled. 
right? But in the Old Testament, it describes how a war will take place in the time of, you know, when, when uh, uh, the Messiah comes. He says, a mighty king will come and set you free, right? And all these things. So they were expecting this big, powerful king. And that's why they were so disappointed because they were hoping that he was going to break them free from the Roman rule at that time. But he says, my kingdom is not of this world. Yeah. Right? They tried to even force him to be king. And he's like, mm -mm, right. He slips through the crowd and disappears, <laughs> you know? So his kingdom is not of this world. So when he says kingdom against kingdom, you have to ask, okay, well, from Jesus's point of view, what kingdoms is he talking about? Right. Because he's thinking his kingdom is God's kingdom. That's what he's thinking. So when he says kingdom against kingdom, he's thinking God's kingdom against Satan's kingdom. Because if you go back to the time of the Old Testament, that's really what it represents, right? Jerusalem was God's kingdom. It doesn't matter physically where they were. A plot of land is not important. He's using that so that he can build his kingdom, but he want, the whole world belongs to God. It should be God's, right? Not just one plot of land, but that's why Jerusalem is synonymous with, you know, God's people, Zion, Jerusalem, right? The tent of the Lord. Yeah. And it even says that it's equated to a, a person more than it is the land. It says in uh, like Isaiah 60, verse 14, it says they will call you Jerusalem, the throne of the Lord. They will call you a person is that, that was jesus, jesus. Okay. amen okay. in the time of the first coming jesus was the one who had god's spirit with him he represented god's kingdom he was the kingdom of god that's why he says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sows good seed in his field the kingdom of heaven is like a man like a who man. was that man jesus jesus yeah so in the old testament it was god's kingdom against nation's kingdom it doesn't matter what you called nation you know satan's kingdom babylon assyria egypt you know the philistines doesn't matter they were gentiles they belonged to satan god's kingdom was supposed to belong to them and when they were when they were faithful they overcame all things when they betrayed that's when they lost no more god's protection yeah so in the time of the first coming when jesus was fighting how did he fight right if you look at like Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, he says, mm. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I came wow. to bring division between yeah. family, even. Yeah. It's really sad, but that was the truth of it. And what it, so in the time of the first coming, what was he fighting with? He was fighting with the word of God. So the battle that was taking place was not a physical battle in the sense of a physical war that we think of, but it was physical, meaning that there was people that were a part of it. Right. They were literally yelling at each other and arguing. I mean, Jesus was, you know, woe to you, you hypocrites. Woe to you, you hypocrites. Right. You sons of the devil. Right. You sons of the, the kingdom of hell, you know, things like that. <clears throat> so there was a lot of like actual things that, that took place, um, but it was a very spiritual battle. Jesus represented Jerusalem, Zion, right? Mount Zion. That's what he represented. He represented God's chosen people and anyone that belonged to him. And then the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law, they represented Babylon. If you think about it, the word Babel, right? What does the word Babel mean? It means mixed. And so oh. the, the book Daniel that, you know, Mike D likes to talk about, in the book of Daniel, there's that statue that's there, the big statue that's got the head of gold, the, the chest of silver, the belly of bronze, the thighs of, of um, iron, I think. And then it goes clay. down to, yeah, and then the feet are iron and clay. There you go. They're all, it's all mixed together. It's all mixed together. And the gold, all these metals, if you look at a previous episode, all the metals are representing uh, teachings. 
So Babylon has their gold. God has his gold. So it's all these mixed teachings together. And then it says that a stone that's not cut up by human hands smashes the statue and brings it all down at once. Well, what that really represents was Jesus as the stone. The statue of, of um, you know, that idol represented the Pharisees, scribes, teachers of the law. They all had mixed teachings. They were all ruling over God's people, but they didn't, they didn't get along. Actually, Paul uses that against them one time. What does he and when say? he's on trial, he's like, um, he's going to be like in a mob. They're going to try to kill him. And he's like, well, I'm only here because I was speaking about the resurrection. And the Sadducees, they don't believe in the resurrection. And so the, the you know, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees start arguing with each other instead. <laughs> you know, funny that he did that. But, you know, at this time, there is all this mixed teaching. And that's the war that's taking place. They represented Babylon at that time. Jesus represented Jerusalem. Wow. And that war that took place was a very spiritual war, yeah. right? A very spiritual war. And then you carry that over into the time of the second coming and it's, it's no different. It's a spiritual war, right? It's a spiritual war. So it's a bigger war now, even instructor Aaron, because we have 45,000 denominations. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, yeah. Cause I was also thinking as I was listening to instructor Aaron, like, I feel like if that has been the history, and you're right, that is also what happened at the first coming. And there is mention of Jerusalem and Babylon in the book of Revelation, which is supposed to be prophecy about second coming, then we have to be in a situation where there is mixed teaching, where there is enough mixed teaching now for people to kind of like disagree and, you know, and, and war really with the different doctrines that they have. And don't you think like the time is ripe for something like that now? Exactly. It has to be that way. It has to be all mixed together. Everything has to be where there is no absolute truth so that when the truth actually comes, it can expose all of that. And that same statue that you can think about in the first coming, it carries over to the time of the second coming because it's, it's Daniel chapter two, where the king of Babylon, he is the head of gold. So it represents Babylon and all those mixed teachings. The nation of Babylon was completely full of all different kinds of teachings. They didn't have worship of one God. They worshiped whatever they wanted. That's one of the things that was so attractive to being a part of Babylon was they just, they didn't assimilate you into their religion. They just, you know, Hey, be a part of us and worship however you want. And that's yeah. why they were all these mixed kind of ways. And then of course the King himself thinking that he was, you know, God himself. That God himself. Right. So in the time of the second coming, it's no different. There's all these mixed teachings that are out there, right. Worshiping any way that you want. And, I wasn't sure if I was going to bring this up from the, we were talking about that, this in uh, the one that I think we were just discussing something or anything. Anyway, the Tower of Babel, mm. we we're talking about that. You guys remember the Tower of Babel? Yes. So in Genesis, um, I think it's 11. And, and anyway, he's building the, the Tower of Babel and it's meant so that they could make their way to heaven on their own. Because they right? think then, it's like somewhere up there. If you build it high enough, you'll get yeah, there right? eventually. Yeah. But it, it represents something very spiritual as well. They are, they're basically getting together and they were trying to become their own gods in their own way. Yeah. They were taking upon themselves that they could actually, you know, do that kind of thing. So God mixes their language up. That's why it's called, you know, Babel and goes on from there. But when you think about, you know, Babylon, it's all mixed, right? All mixed. Now, what that really represents, nothing in the Bible is there by chance. Everything is really pointing to the time of fulfillment. It really is. So even the Tower of Babel, the, the Garden of Eden, the Tower of Babel, uh, Lot, 
you know, Noah, all these things, they're all used at the time of the second coming because that's where everything becomes fulfilled. When we were talking about uh, all the mixed people in the world, there is ways that it's described inside of Revelation. I think it says it like six or seven times. It says the peoples, nations, languages, and kings. So nation re represents the big part, right? Uh -huh. So imagine like, um, like Scotland, for example, Scotland, it would be the nation, but you had all the tribes that were inside of Scotland, all the different, you know, tribes that used to even clans, yeah. the clans, exactly. Mm -hmm. But they were all Scottish, but they all, but they all fought against each other. Yeah. So now think about that in the churches. So the nations represent all of the Christianity. Doesn't matter if it's Catholic, Protestant, doesn't matter. Okay. okay. That's the nations, all of them. Then you have the tribes. Those represent all the denominations, all the different ah. like fractions, whether it's Catholicism, you know, Protestant, Presbyterian, Baptist, Methodist, you know, you name it. Sure. Right. Yeah. The 40,000 that we're talking about. Then you have the peoples. That's the congregation that belong to all of the believers. And then you have the languages. The languages represents their doctrines. You have oh all, of the Christian world, all of the Christian world all of the different denominations, all of the believers, all of the different doctrines. And that's who's being called out, out of all the, the nations, tribes, peoples, languages, where it also says the multitudes, nations, languages, and kings, because kings represent pastors, right? God's kingdom, right? So a church would be like a kingdom. And just like a king rules over a nation, a pastor rules over the church, right? So all the subjects of the kingdom would be like the people, the subjects, right? So mm. knowing that when this war takes place, that's the war. It's all those people that belong to Satan's nation fighting against, you know, God's nation. But in order for it to be able to be one, that's why that Tower of Babel is really interesting because what did God do? They could no longer work together as one because they didn't speak the same language, right? Right, right. Think about all the different denominations today. Can a Baptist pastor preach at a Catholic church? No. I can mean, a Presbyterian, can, but you know, like... they won't be, they won't be invited. Right. Can, uh, a, yeah. can a Presbyterian, right. A Presbyterian pastor go to a Mormon church and preach there. No. Mm. Right? Can Seventh-day Adventists go and preach at, you know, like a Baptist church. They don't speak the same doctrines. They no, don't teach yeah. the same doctrines. They yeah. have different languages. Wow. Wow. That's why like that tower Babel, it really represents all of the Christian world today. And that's why, you know, eventually, you know, the truth has to be made known so that everyone just, can become one under one truth. I just want to be truthful that I've never heard of the Tower of Babel. I'm going <laughs> to read about it later. Because yeah. I feel like we zoomed into the Bible and took a look at all these different eras and we saw a pattern there and we now took it to our time now. So I'm going to zoom out a little bit. Okay. And look at because you're right that is the state of christianity right now mm -hmm. right so divided we're we're teaching different things um the bible is interpreted in different ways and so having heard your understanding of the figurative babylon jerusalem how there is a war between these two so then i think the takeaway is like we're now supposed to first be aware that that is the situation that we are in, in the world of Christianity. And that what is prophesied is that, yes, there is this war that is happening. 
and that a truth will come that you're supposed to recognize and go to where this truth is being proclaimed and testified, which of course, as someone who is from Shinchenji, your stance is that that place is Shinchenji, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. And I, I mean, gotta, I gotta, you know, I gotta represent, right? I gotta represent. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the, the key first. The key first is knowing what does it mean. So first things first, we have to understand. Okay, what does the war mean? What does Jerusalem mean? What does Babylon mean? Mm-hmm. Then you can, once you understand, okay, there's a spiritual way to understand it as well. Interesting. So maybe I'm not looking for a physical war because like in Luke chapter 21, it says, when you see armies surrounding Jerusalem, you know, that's when you know the end is near. Or in Matthew chapter 24, it says, when you see the abominations, you know, standing in the holy place, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, right? But if you look at the history of the world for the last 2000 years, there really hasn't been a time when you know, Jerusalem hasn't been under attack at some point, like Jerusalem, Israel, they're surrounded all the time by armies, you know, and there's earthquakes that have been going on for thousands of years. There's famines everywhere in the world even right now. Yeah. So that's why you have to understand them in a spiritual way, you know, and again, the earthquake, the famine, these are all spiritual too. I could explain those, but that'd be a different, I don't want to go too far off, but we do have all those understandings. Now that you understand that the war can be thought of in a figurative way, okay, now you go, okay, it can be thought of in a figurative way. And then you see scriptures like Ephesians chapter six. It says that we do not wage war as the world does or second Corinthians chapter 10, right? Verses three to six. Although we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The Mm. weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Yeah. And Ephesians chapter six goes through the armor of God, right? Right. Yeah, the, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, you know, and of course, we know the, the sandals, sword. the sandals of the gospel, <laughs> you know, exactly, right? The gospel the, the battle is in the spiritual realm. Exactly. And the shield of faith, right? The shield of faith that you can, you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Well, in the Bible, the arrows represent the words. It says they shoot their arrows like deadly, their, their, their words are like deadly arrows, wow. but actually God has his arrows too. And Lamentations, which was written by Jeremiah as well, it talks about how you were you were angry, Lord, and how you strung your bow like an enemy. So even God has his bow and arrows too, meaning, you know, again, it's those words. All the weapons, they represent, you know, like you said, the war of doctrines. So now that you see those scriptures, I mean, it says it right there in Ephesians 6 and mm-hmm. 2 Corinthians 10. It's so clear. It says that we fight against the spiritual forces. You know, we, we demolish arguments, arguments. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then you carry that over. And to really understand it, though, okay, now I'm just telling you this is what it could mean, right? The spiritual war. But then you go, okay, well, why is that important? What does that mean for me? Yeah. And that's why you need to know about Revelation. Now that you know it's a spiritual war, now you need to understand, okay, well, who, who is Jerusalem represented by? Right? Who's Babylon? Right. Who's the victor? Who's the loser? How do I know this? Right. That's the key. That's why knowing the parable first is so important. Then you hear about the fulfillment. This is what happened. This is when it happened. This is why it happened. This is how you can recognize the winner. This is how you can recognize the loser so that you can, you can see who you need to belong to. Oh, I want to be with the winners. What's that? (laughs) 
I want to be with the winners. That's it. And it's, it's a matter of recognizing the winner, right? Recognizing who God is using at that time. Cause the person that is able to overcome, they have to do specific things. And if they do them, then you could recognize that's who God is using. And that's why God does it so that he can be made known and clear so that you know where to go. You know what to belong to in the time of the end, because like you said, 40,000 denominations, all these different people claiming that this is this and that is that I am this, I am that. How do you know? That's why the prophecies are so detailed. Mm. That's why everything has to be testified detail by detail by detail. Wow. We'll just leave it at that for today's episode because, (laughs) you know, all of the questions that instructor Aaron left hanging, that's where we're headed with this series, right? At the end of this series, we're going to answer all those questions. So, you know, hang in there, hang with us. I'm I'm, I'm trying to process so much information in my head. Yes. My my, my scalp is so tight just trying to think about these things. (laughs) Don't try to think too much. Just, um, (laughs) just, Just think of it as like, okay, this is really interesting. And then you can take it little by little. Yeah. And that's why, and I know that, you know, Sam and Tina, they mention this quite often, but there's, that's why we have those actual studies, the classes, Mm -hmm. the things like that, because it's too much at once. We know that it's like trying to feed a child, you know, a big giant steak when they can barely chew on a banana, you know, it's like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it's learning in the proper way. It's proper food. We call it proper food, proper time. And -hmm. then, like she said, all of them build on each other. They all connect and, and that's it. And then when you learn the actual physical fulfillment, which is the really important part, that's when you can verify and decide, okay, is this a reality? Is this really happening? Well, according to the scriptures, all of that makes sense. So I don't know what else to think. I mean, that's where I'm at right now. Where I'm at is like, if this is not the truth, I don't know what is because it's, it's too perfect for, you know, for it not to be really. Right, right. Not everybody think, feels that way, though. So, you know, hey. Everybody. Sure, sure. I, and I think that's basically, you know, what anyone who is maybe stumbling upon this podcast for the first time today and hearing all of these things, and this is your, your first time, right? Is that, oh. yes, there is mention of Babylon and Jerusalem in the Bible, but at the time of Revelation, here is this other way of understanding it. Not physical, but spiritual or spiritual. figurative. Yeah, like yeah. this is a parable. And yeah, I guess from there, as what Tina said, well, okay, I mean, who do I want to belong to? Is it, is it Babylon or Jerusalem? I mean, obviously read, Jerusalem. Read, read Revelation, you know, do yourself mm. a favor and just read Revelation first so that you can see why Babylon's there, why it's important. And you'll see that actually God's people lose the first war, just like yeah. the time of the first coming. God's people are under captivity. They lose the war because of betrayal, but they win the other. They overcome and fight and win. And as a result of that, Babylon is destroyed and God's kingdom is created. So if you can find how that happens, then you can find God's kingdom. That's the key. That's the whole key right there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I know you're still processing and marinating on this stuff, but you know, I mean, what, what do you think of the discussion that we had today with instructor Aaron? Uh, Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, I think it's not as scary anymore. It's just I need I needed a little context, you know. It's just really understanding, you know. It's, I I really like context. Without context, I I I don't get anything at all. Mm. And then you know, the next discussion, it was it was a big help, you know. It there's it was little tubal pieces that you know that just 
uh, yeah, helped me understand a little more. I'm, I'm just going to go dive into Revelation and, awesome. you know, ask you guys more questions. No, no, no. <laughs> as a, as as instructor error, not, not me, not me. Uh, okay, all right. Anytime, anytime, man. <laughs> anytime, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank wow. you so much. I'm, I'm glad you guys invited me. This is Yay. great. This is amazing. Please come back anytime you want to talk revelation. There's more yeah, to right? reveal. <laughs> as you guys follow along, anytime that there is a question that comes up about any of this stuff, you can email us, narradorpodcast at gmail.com. Step by step, two episodes a week, Monday and Thursday at 9 a.m., guys. Thank you for joining us on this one, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.